You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We welcome you on in to another Locked On Syracuse podcast, your only place for daily Syracuse podcasts out there. It is Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki, as always, today here on this Tuesday, and Ty, we now know that Syracuse is playing Georgetown on Saturday at 8 p.m. That news came out earlier today, basically the to accommodate for the Bills game, right? Now, if you're a Bills that? fan, yeah, you can I watch mean, both. <laughs> you, there's uh, really only one call here because I think if you're looking at, as much as people love the Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry, let's be honest, Tim. I mean, these Bills fans are starved. And, and for those of you Bills fans out there, after you're done listening to this podcast, go check out the Locked on Bills podcast because I'm sure they're super excited over there on Locked On Bills, but yeah, no, it's uh, probably the right move. Uh, we know the NFL is king, and um, I, I think, yeah, they're as great as the, the Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry is. I don't think you could overshadow this Bills playoff appearance with all the buzz going on in Central and Western New York. Exactly. So today's going to be a basketball-heavy show. We're going to get into Barama Sidibe for a majority of the show today because Jim Beheim was on a Zoom call, finally heard from the head coach after, again, it feels like ages since Syracuse basketball has made any sort of news, but the good news from the Zoom call was he confirmed Baramis Adibe is healthy and expected to play in their game on Wednesday now afternoon at 4.30 against Pittsburgh. He did mention that his conditioning has a little ways to go, but is the whole team is healthy is the good news from Beheim's call. So we'll get to that and who should start for Syracuse now that Sidibe is back in the fold, how they should handle rotations, all those things. want to start, though, just a couple quick things. One, the net rankings came out for the first time. I know you're a huge net ranking guy, Ty. Love me some good net. I mean, the biggest shocker here, obviously, no Ohio State number one. I think I'm a little upset by that. Um, For those who don't (laughs) understand that, Ohio State has been number one each of the past two seasons that they've done this. Again, this is only the third season of the net. Uh, how about shout out Colgate at 16th in the country? So Colgate, I guess, uh, getting a lot of love from the computers early on. But no, yeah, no Ohio State kind of has me a little disheartened right now because the the computer loves to spit out the Buckeyes, number one overall. And w- where did they fall? They fell way out of the 28. I mean, wh- yeah, what's going Cuse. on? Right. So Cuse is 25, which that's a pretty good ranking and that's a I mean Ken Palm they're floating around 2930 last time I looked so it's a little bit higher than maybe you might have anticipated and for those that don't really follow the net ranking that closely this was billed to be the main ranking that just sort of an end-all be-all type of situation for the NCAA to help fill out their brackets on Selection Sunday, which we now I know mean, will for, be March 14th. Yeah, to to disclose what the acronym is, it's NET stands for NCAA Evaluation Tool. I, I'm not yes. saying this is the equivalent of the college football playoff, but it's I feel like the rankings that they put out with the CFP committee, but I feel like this is the closest thing that we have to that, that we're going to get every single... Well, these, these are updated, I think, every single day. Um, but this is the closest thing that we have to the college football playoff rankings. Exactly. It's probably not quite panned out to the degree that they envisioned when it came out. They wanted this to be the main source and just make it a lot easier for people like us to evaluate where Syracuse is in bubble conversations or whatever their seat is and all that type of stuff when you get closer to tournament time. But I think it's still kind of a work in progress, but it's still a very important ranking. And to see Syracuse kind of, I, I was a little surprised that it was 25. I mean, was that where you expected to see them? 
No, but the one thing I think I've gleaned from everything, whether it's Ken Palm or some of these other advanced analytical sites, is that the the metrics kind of love Syracuse, which yeah. I'm a little surprised by. Like I get their six and one, and but they've played some close games with some teams that they probably should not have played close with, and their one loss. I mean, to to put it lightly, I mean their one loss is a double digit loss to albeit a very good team in Rutgers. But I'm I'm always shocked. And again, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to pretend to understand the t- totality of the math that goes into this, but I'm a little surprised at 25 and, and why the metrics think Syracuse is this top 30 team, both Ken Palm, Net, all that stuff. It, it's shocking to me because you're looking at a team that the eye test, I mean, they've received votes, what? in one poll so far this season. So the eye test is Yeah, they got you, one vote today as of us recording. Okay. So the yeah. eye test is really not telling you that they're a top, what, 40 or so team, but the, the numbers and the computers are telling you they're a top 30, top 25 team. And to me, I don't know, is that going to show that this team is going to project out pretty well in the ACC when, when push comes to shove? Because I'm looking through... And Syracuse is the second. the second rated team <laughs> yeah. in the ACC in the net, only behind Clemson. And I gotta say, like, who would have had say that all you at want the start about, of the year? <laughs> what was that? Who would have had that at the start of the year? I know, Clemson yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, so you can say what you want about how, oh, well, they haven't played a ton of games. Well, they also really haven't disappointed a whole lot this season, too, to the degree that a team like Duke or Carolina or some of these other teams, albeit that have played more games, but they have not really let down in the same way that some of those teams have. So how it breaks down, they're 0-1 against Quad 1 competition, which is, of course, that Rutgers game on the road, which continues to look like a very, very good loss, considering everything. Sidibe was out, all that. Rutgers has been good. They're 1-0 in Quad 2 games. I was trying to figure out who the Quad 2 game is, and I'm not exactly sure because when I looked at everyone else's net ranking that they played, the highest ranked team is Bryant at like 91 in terms of teams that they've beaten. But I don't know if it's BC maybe who checks in at 132 in these first net rankings. They just give them a bump because they boat race BC by as much as they did and it was on the road and the other games. Because again, this evaluates home versus road, which... I do think this net ranking took a little bit longer to come out this year in comparison to the start of the season than normal because I guess they were calculating just how much the lack of crowd and the lack of fans in attendance would impact the home versus road quad one degree of difficulty scale that they have really, you know. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think that's exactly how that was worked out, but I think that was more... The reason why it took so long was so that there was a mu- enough data in the system. Because you got to remember, everything got pushed back. And then, of course, teams like Syracuse are having games canceled left and right. Yeah, but I guess this is still delayed even past the normal starting. I read something no, on it this is, on yeah. how... It is yeah. still delayed. But I don't think... Because I don't think the, the whole crowd and home court factor is one thing. Because the way that they do it is... Um, if I'm remembering this correctly, it's like... Quad two can be zero through 50 uh, at home or it's zero through a hundred, or I shouldn't say zero, one through 50 at home or one through a hundred on a neutral site or on the road. So it's something along those lines. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't know exactly where that quad two is um, just based on, oh, the quad two is, is, uh, is Buffalo. 
I believe. It should be Buffalo. Well, but Buffalo was ranked lower than Bryant in these original net rankings now. All right, then I don't understand it. it yeah. It, it, once again, <laughs> the, the net con- continues to confuse. It, it's what it does. But regardless, I'm I'm very, very shocked to see them at 25, I think is the bottom line. How they progress yeah. these next couple of weeks, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see because this is a, a computer that I don't think a lot of us have really figured out. And, I mean, you look at a team like Kansas, who is one of the the better teams in all of college basketball. They've got losses to Texas, who has been a phenomenal team, and and a loss to Gonzaga, who checks in at number one and deservedly so in the net rankings. And they're ranked behind Syracuse. Would you say that Kansas is a worse team than Syracuse? (laughs) I don't think you would. Right. The interesting thing about the net is it has no, it does not factor in whatsoever your preseason ranking and what you are expected to be Which is kind of nice to a degree. Team. Yeah, like Duke has stunk all year and Duke checks in at 115 in these first net rankings. Kentucky's 144, whereas if you went on Ken Palm, Duke and Kentucky are going to be a lot higher because even a site like Ken Palm had their preseason rankings made up based on stats from previous years and what they were returning and and so on and so forth. So that is the uniqueness to uh, the net ranking. That's why you see a team like Colgate can shoot up to 16, or Boise State is 13 in these net rankings. And Colgate, I think, has the second-best offense in the country right now on Kempom, just behind Gonzaga, which is pretty remarkable. Albeit in just two games, but yeah. But like, it gives... I mean, the net is, I think, pretty solid overall. I think time has shown, and again, time is only a two-year sample, but... Their top fives are usually pretty good at the end of the year. They're pretty spot on with who the best teams in the sport are. One other note before we get to Barama Sidibe and a discussion on who we think should start for this Pittsburgh game. Mike Waters tweeted out that in in addition to Justin Champagny, who is out with an injury, we discussed that a little bit yesterday, he's Pitt's best player. Pitt coach Jeff Capel says the Panthers will also be without at least two and maybe three other players for the game at Syracuse on Wednesday. We don't know as of recording who those guys are, but this is looking more and more like Syracuse, despite the pause, despite maybe Sidibe's first game back, those type of things, they really should take care of business at home against Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I mean, and everything's starting to update itself and Pitt is now officially on the schedule on Ken Palm, which is something that switched overnight, but Right now, the projections have Syracuse as a nine-point winner, and to me, I, don't be surprised if this is a a game, especially with uh, a team that's shorthanded, because again, Ken Palm doesn't always take into account the, the injuries that teams are facing, but th- this Pitt team, they defend the three very well, but they don't shoot the three very well, and we know Syracuse can be a get-right for some teams, but when you're missing guys, I don't know if that's going to be a huge recipe for success if you're missing a bunch of guys and um, and you're a team that overall has has struggled at times this season too. I mean, you open up the season with a loss to St. Francis, and I know you you've picked up a win against a, a shorthanded Miami squad, but we've seen that when some of these teams are shorthanded in this college basketball season, it's been an, an absolute disaster on the floor. Okay, guys, NFL Wild Card Weekend coming up, which is one of the most popular sports gambling weekends of the year. So if you're a sports gambler out there and you're looking to wager some money on the Wild Card picks, we've got a great deal for you that'll give you some extra cash to do just that. If you go over to betonline.ag, which is my favorite sports book out there, you can get a free account today. Just sign up. 
And if you use our promo code locked on, which is all one word, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus, which means if you put down $200 deposit into your new free account, well, you'll get $100 of free play to use on maybe those NFL wildcard games or the NBA games or college football the national title game. Any of those games that are coming up, it's a busy time of year for sports gambling. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. So let's get into this conversation now on who should start against Pittsburgh because it seems like Rama Sidibe, according to Jim Beheim's Zoom call, is all systems go for Wednesday. He might be a little bit behind conditioning-wise, but he is returned to practice. He returned to practice on Sunday, and obviously the team has missed tons of practices to this point in the year. But I was sort of thinking, like, there's a lot of different ways that you can go with Sidibe here. Maybe first game back, because of the conditioning stuff, you bring him off the bench. For you, though, what is the ideal starting lineup in your mind and what do you want to see be the starting lineup ultimately down the road well to me I think this pause kind of plays a big factor in everything because when the when you've had so many guys now who haven't done a whole lot of basketball activity at least cohesively I think you you can roll with a a Barama Sidibe starting in this game yeah because there isn't necessarily that cohesion. These guys really haven't been together now for, what, two weeks, is it? So I think there's no harm in throwing Sidibe out. And again, there's the whole adage, like, you don't lose your job to injury. And we talked about this with Devo, too, when when the rotations have to obviously get shaken up at some point. It may be okay to just throw Alan Griffin off the bench. I mean, that's what he did in the first game. That was the, the rotation we saw in the first game. So wouldn't shock me to see him come off the bench um because obviously you're gonna have to start a a primary ball handler and obviously I think we can agree it's going to be Joe Girard when it's all said and done and and the the starting lineups are handed in but I think you roll with the the opening night lineup of Girard, Beheim, Garrier, Dolajai, and Sidibe. Take advantage of the height that you've got on this team. So I'm a little surprised I was a little surprised when Devo said it maybe a touch less surprised to hear too. you say mm-hmm. it, it makes sense i i get all your points i would probably bench dolajai and that's nothing against marek i i think he's been exceptional or, or he's been good this year and again he's taken some strides but to me it falls into the category of who can be the best sixth man on this team and who is going to be disrupted less by bringing them from the starting lineup to the bench and i just feel like what griffin is kind of what Griffin has built as his role on this team is the main guy when he's out there. He's a creator for this team. He's leading the team in possession percentage on Ken Palm. Like he has the ball in his hands a lot. So a lot of what they've been doing on offense has run through him. And I mean, as last time I looked, he was right up there in terms of leading the team in scoring. I get the whole Griffin started the season off the bench and just go back to that. It does make sense to me, but I feel like Griffin has kind of earned the right to stay in the starting lineup, and Dolajai is the guy that, no matter whether he starts or benches, I feel best about him just coming on the floor and playing his game. Well, here's the thing, and here's why I would push back a little bit. Let's remember two things here, okay? Alan Griffin has spent most of his career coming off the bench. However, we have seen with Griffin, again, it doesn't necessarily matter if you start or not. 
it's it matters if you're finishing these games. And I think Alan Griffin would be finishing a lot of these games. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, to me, the thing that becomes a little bit interesting here is I, I think with that starting lineup, let's assume Gerard's starting, okay? And I think that's a pretty safe assumption to make. Yeah. You need someone who can be a facilitator out there. And I think Dolajai kind of brings that element to you, albeit in sort of an unnatural way where, okay, maybe when you bring Kadari into the game, you're probably a little more comfortable with having Allen and then pulling Dolajai off the floor and then you can have Sadibe out on the floor because you know that you're going to have some sort of facilitating element with Kadari at the point, not as much as you'd get with a guy like Gerard at the point. And we know that Dolajai can kind of fill that facilitator role as well. So if you have Dolajai out there to start while you've got Gerard on the floor, I almost feel like it's not like a platoon system, but you kind of want to pair some of these guys up together. I think that you pair up a guy like Kadari and Griffin on the floor and you bring Griffin in and you yank Dolajai out during those periods and then you have Gerard and Dolajai on the floor. I think those two pairings kind of complement each other pretty well out there in terms of you've got a guy who can be a distributor and you've got a guy who can score. Yeah, that's a good point uh, on the facilitating note. So what do you think is their best lineup? Like you, you mentioned Griffin's in like, your... So, yeah, I, I think I, this is interesting yeah, he, because bayheim has got some toys to play with here and we haven't really right. seen him have it's those sort of options. It's game dependent too. Right, and of course... Now the question also comes into what happens with Woody Newton because he's obviously been an instrumental part and he's kind of become a, a fan favorite and not in the, the sense that Braswell became sort of a fan favorite, but Woody Newton's actually put together some nice games and he has earned a spot to to get some playing time here as ACC play progresses. But in terms of like a crunch time lineup, it's tough to say because Obviously, everything's situational. You've got offensive lineups. You've got defensive lineups. I think yeah. Sadibe's out there no matter what because you need him for his defense. Unless he's in foul trouble. Unless he's in foul trouble, of course. <laughs> yeah. But in crunch time, you don't care because it's almost do or die. So I think Sadibe has cemented himself in. I think offensively, if you need some sort of lineup like that, it's tough to say because there's so many guys you could throw out there. But, I mean, dare I say, I think you go because you need Garrier on the floor right? You need him out there on the floor. I yeah. think you need Buddy out there on the floor, and I think you need Allen on the floor. All three of those guys in an offensive situation, you're drawing up a play, you need those three out there on the floor, and then you throw Sadibe out there maybe for some offensive rebounding purposes, maybe get a tip in, because I think that's one of the game, part of his game that I've really liked seeing over the past, what, 10 or so games that he's played in is his ability to get some tip-ins and be a little more coordinated off the hop. So I think you have to keep Griff or uh, Sadibe in, and then it comes down to: Do you want Kadari or do you want uh, Joe Girard? And based off of my little platoon pairings that I have, I think you have to throw Kadari out there for an offensive situation. Real quick, gotta tell you about the best place on the internet to shop for a car parts. That, of course, is RockAuto.com. With the ever increasing number of makes and models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and also in your pocket. And one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money and that's the best thing about rockauto.com is that 
you could choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts that you're gonna get at a chain store or new car dealership. And not only that, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So rockauto.com's prices though, they're the same for everyone and they're always reliably low. And one of the best parts about rockauto.com is it's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. It's the consistency that makes them the best. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, when you go to rockauto.com to fix up your car or truck, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I did a little exercise where I just ranked who was the most valuable starter or ranked basically what was the starting lineup when they didn't have Sidibe active and healthy and put them in order of like how much I would prioritize that they need to stay on the court. So I think you kind of hit on it, hit on it there. But to me, and this is weird because I guess you pulled Griffin from your starting lineup and you were saying if anyone maybe put him on the bench. I think Buddy, Alan Griffin, Quincy are your top three. And I would probably even rank Buddy one, which some people would likely push back on. But his shooting, his ability to play both ends of the zone, whether it's the wing position or the top of the zone, and his experience as a guy that has hit some big shots and been in some big moments and just logged a lot of game time at Syracuse. I think he would be one. Griffin God, the too, Quincy because... disrespect here. It just continues on this show. And, and I, it's almost unintentional at this point. But well, I have him three. I wouldn't have put I know, him three like, at the start of the year. I just... Like, how can we say with a straight face, look ourselves in the mirror and, and say we watch a lot of Syracuse basketball and say to ourselves that Quincy is not the most important starter on this team? Because he has proven it this year. He does it for you on offense, and he's an absolute threat on re- yeah, uh, rebounding the right. basketball. And then with in terms of his defense, listen, it's not elite level yet, but it has definitely gotten better from what it was a season ago. And I think that we now owe this to him because we, have, we haven't been haters. We just have been, I guess, the silent majority, I feel like. Like, we all accept the fact that he's a phenomenal basketball player, but... It's time that we, and we joke about it all the time, but it's time that he really does get the respect that he deserves because he has been one of the most efficient players and he's given it to you for 40 minutes a night, it feels like. So to me, I think he is number one in terms of the players and, and their importance yeah. to this team. I think it's Quincy. I just, I sort of was hesitant to put him one because it goes back to how much can he create for you just on his own offensively. And, and, I, and I know, mm-hmm. yeah, like, what Quincy's doing is exceptional. He, he Every s- single stat says that he's the most efficient player on Syracuse. He's been the best player on Syracuse through seven games. A lot of it is him c- kind of cutting to the right spot and Dolajai finding him, or him getting the ball down low, leading a break, getting an offensive rebound, putting it back. It's not a lot of him you know, going around a pick and roll or creating his own shot. So I, I do think you need those guys. But in general, Buddy, Allen, Quincy were basically like 1A, 1B, 1C for me when I was thinking about this exercise, and they're in their own tier. Then I would say Gerard would be four because I'm fine with him leaving the starting lineup. The only thing is 
if he leaves, you kind of have to put Kadari in. So then you're back to the same problem of, okay, who do you take out for Sidibe if you want Sidibe in the lineup? So that's where I got to Dolajai being the guy that I would take out. Because again, like I said, I think he can come in and be a sixth man and not lose a lot. Where I do think if Gerard's coming off the bench, that might hurt his waning confidence already a little bit more. And as much as People like to rag on Joe Girard. If Joe Girard is playing to the level that we know he can play to and playing more consistently, Syracuse is a better basketball team, period. So you want to keep his confidence up as much as possible. Well, let's just say it like this. I mean, if Joe Girard can play the way that he played his freshman season, this is a team that can be a four or five seed in the tournament. Like, that's how good, that that's what he brings. That's the, the level of juice and, and that he can add to this team. And now... To, getting back to kind of what you were saying, I think it just kind of comes down to the whole, listen, I, I think that there is some sort of connection out there to be had, like a Kadari to, to Dolzhai in a pick and roll or a Kadari to Dolzhai alley-oop, but I just don't know if they need to be on the floor together at the same time because they they have very similar games in that they don't score a ton for you, but they can get you a bucket if need be. They can kind of score in their own unique ways, but it's more the facilitating and the intangibles that they bring. Of course, Dolzhai is a, a mega hustle player. Kadari is your best defender at the top. So, yeah, I mean, I, in crunch time, it, it's one of those things where I don't know if I have them on the, on the floor together. They're, they're, I just don't find them. Again, they are both great players and they're both essential players, but I don't think Syracuse is best suited, unless you're going with a, a very defensive heavy lineup. But I don't know if Syracuse is best suited with both of those guys out there because you don't necessarily need two facilitators at the same time. Yeah, as much as we rag on Gerard in a crunch time situation, he is definitely one of the more aggressive shot creators on the team still. And he'll space out the floor for you too. Like You can say what you want. He's shooting 32% right now from three. But there's that respect level that's there. They know that they yeah. have to guard him for 35 feet away from the basket because he can knock down that shot. And you don't want to be left wondering what could have happened because of everything, because you left him sitting alone at the carrier logo. Because we know that he can hit that shot. Yeah. And that's what's tough. If you do have Sadiba and Kadari out there, and we really shouldn't even be worrying about offense too much because, again, their main problem is defense. And that's the real benefit of getting Sadiba back. Is, that's where, like I talked about, it's matchup dependent. If you're going up against Pittsburgh, maybe you don't need Sidibe for as many minutes as you might need him against the UNC or a Florida State or a team like that. Then, if it's crunch time and Sidibe's not fouled out, then you're you're definitely riding with Sidibe against a team that has a strong front court. You have to. I mean, like we, as much as we love Marek, he he's not going to be able to to hang with some of the, especially a team like UNC. He's not going to be able to hang with the the rotating cast. I mean, they've got four guys, four big guys that can just wreak havoc down low. And most yeah. of them are, are guys that do it in the post, too. Like, sometimes they can step out a little bit, but they're best suited as a traditional post player. Now, th- that's a game where you're going to need both Sidibe and Dolajai because you need to match height with them. And So who who's out, though? Like, let's play the hypothetical four minutes left against UNC. By all accounts, everyone's fine foul trouble-wise. It's a tight game. You got to play Sidibe. So then who from the original starting lineup that we've seen without Sidibe is getting out in that crunch time situation for you? I I think it's Dolajai. I I almost think you have to roll with both. And it's a weird thing. Again, who's out, though? I know, I know. Yeah, you still have to answer that question. But 
it's it's one of those things. So you put Dolajai in to couple with Sidibe because you have to match their height because Gary A, like he's a strong guy, but I don't 